All right. Hey, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3? If you are going to use one of our red uh, pew Bibles in the chair in front of you, 1 Peter chapter 3 is on page 589. 589. Um, Growing up, I did not like broccoli. Uh, In fact, I didn't care for most vegetables when I was a kid. I still don't care for asparagus. Um, I'll eat it, but I don't like it. What about you? Did you grow up having um, a food, maybe a vegetable that you just, you did not like to, you did not like it? What was it? Meat? Okay. Yeah. Well, I like broccoli now, um, but... As a parent now, and as I'm trying to feed my kids, I have realized that um, sometimes we give food to our kids that is good for them, even if they don't think that it tastes good. Um, And we can apply that to a lot of things in life. We do things uh, because they're good. Uh, One of our family mottos, things that we sort of values that we hold at our household is uh, sometimes we do things because they're the right thing to do, even if we don't want to do them. That's one of our family mottos. Sometimes we eat broccoli, even though we don't want to eat broccoli, because it's good to eat broccoli. And um, this morning, we're going to look at a passage in Scripture that on the surface is hard to swallow. Um... In fact, I wanted to skip it. A couple weeks ago, I was trying to lay out the rest of First Peter with how many weeks we had left and what I wanted to get at. And um, there were eight more sections in First Peter, but we only had five more weeks. And so I cut three of those sections, and I wanted to cut this section. But I remembered sometimes we do things because they're right to do, not because we're going to enjoy it. Because I think this passage is going to be hard. Maybe you've read this passage before and it didn't sit well with you. Um, But at Story Church, we believe that what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 is true. When he writes, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We believe that this passage is good for us. And so I'm going to ask that you would give me patience as I teach this passage. Give me grace if I uh, misspeak. Um, And let's learn together as we look at this passage. There's three things I want us to see here. Uh, You'll see these points in the bulletin. First, we're going to look at the way of Jesus. Second, we're going to look at the dance of marriage. And finally, we're going to look at the freedom of the gospel. So the way of Jesus, the dance of marriage, and the freedom of the gospel. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, 
they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold, jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we do trust that it is good for us. And so we pray now, would you give us a spirit of comfort and a spirit of illumination, Lord, that we could um, peer into the depths of your love and grace even further. Remind us of the gospel, that you do love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, first, the way of Jesus. Did you notice how Peter begins each of his sections, the first to the wives and the second to the husbands? He begins both of those sections with the word likewise. And he's referring back to something. Um, perhaps he's referring back to what he has previously said about citizens submitting to your government, or slaves submit to your masters. Likewise, wives submit to your husbands, but husbands submit to your wives. He doesn't say that. I don't think that his likewise is referring to the, the government and society or masters and slaves. I think that Peter is referring to Verse 21 of chapter 2, when Peter writes, To this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Peter is saying, look to Jesus. Like Jesus, husbands and wives, you're supposed to do something. Like Jesus, who willingly chose to serve you, husbands and wives, serve one another. Take a posture of service towards one another. Remember what Jesus said in Mark 10. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served. He did not come to, to take service from others. No, the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, husbands and wives, be like Jesus. Jesus said uh, that he, he, he taught that the rulers of this world, with their authority, they, they lord it over others. But true greatness in the kingdom of God is humility and lowliness. Husbands and wives serve one another like Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to be first and greatest in the kingdom of God, you have to become a 
servant of all. Husbands and wives, serve one another like Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. So follow him. Follow in his footsteps. Last winter, I distinctly remember a particular snowstorm that at the end of that snowstorm, there was about 18 inches of snow up here. Do you guys remember that? And naturally, my kids wanted to go out and play in the snow. And it was a surprise when we got outside and we realized like the snow was like up halfway up their bodies. They couldn't play in the snow. But if I went in front of them and stomped in the snow and made footprints into the deep snow, they could follow my footprints and my steps out into the middle of the yard and then we could play together. Peter saying, follow in the way of Jesus. Follow him. Walk where he has gone. Get on the path of service. Because Jesus is our example. We're to learn from him. So that the way of Jesus becomes our way too. We're to look at him and practice living like him. Often in our children's bulletins that we've got printed out now, and the younger one um, for kids three years old, uh, there's often like a word like Jesus that will be in dotted lines. And the kids can take their pencils and trace the dotted lines and learn how to spell Jesus. And at first, someone learning letters doesn't really know what they're writing. They're just following the example. But over time, they learn their muscles learn each stroke. And over time, they learn, oh, I just wrote a J and an E and an S, U, S. Over time, they learn to write Jesus. Jesus, Peter is saying, is our example. Learn from him. Trace his life in yours. Follow his way. Husbands and wives, serve one another like Jesus. It might at first not make sense. At first, you might not get it. But slowly and patiently over time, your muscle memory will develop and you will begin to live like Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. And Peter is saying we need to conform our lives to his. This whole section in 1 Peter 2 to 3 is actually talking about that. He, at first, he says, all right, you are a citizen of a community under the authority of a government. Learn to live in the way of Jesus by submitting to them. Hey, you are a worker at a place with a boss who is either good or bad. Learn to be a good employee in the way of Jesus. And then finally, this morning, husbands and wives in the household learn to love one another and serve one another in the way of Jesus. Conform your life to the pattern and example of his. We often say at Story Church that we exist to invite new neighbors into a story shaped by Jesus. That's what we mean. We want our neighbors and everyone here to Live their lives in such a way that your life is shaped by Jesus. 
and the way of Jesus, which is to serve one another. So although this passage has to do with husbands and wives, the principle applies to everyone. Live your life after the example and pattern of Jesus who served everyone around him. That is the way of Jesus. But what does it look like for husbands and wives? Well, let's look at the dance of marriage. And I say dance because the way that Peter writes about it, it, husbands and wives are doing the same thing, but it looks different for each of them. They're both serving one another like Jesus, but the way that the wife does it and the way that the husband does it is different. And so it's a dance. They work together. Husbands and wives follow the way of Jesus. They serve one another in two different ways. Let me just say from the outset here, before we get into the details, that nowhere in Scripture does the Bible give us prescribed set of rules or functions or roles for husbands and wives. Scripture lays out principles of what it looks like for a wife to serve and a husband to serve. But never does Scripture give us prescriptions of this is what a wife is supposed to do and this is what a husband is supposed to do. So just let's just be careful that we don't make Scripture say things that it's not saying. But let's do the hard work at learning what is Scripture actually saying. First, Peter says to wives, be subject to your own husbands. And they are to do this with respect and purity. To be subject is to, to submit oneself to the other. And to submit with respect is to willingly choose to obey their leadership, to, to willingly trust their authority, and to follow them and their decisions without grumbling or bitterness or complaints, to show them support and encouragement as they lead the house. And it's not just in a way of respect. Peter says that they're to be subject to their husbands with a quality of purity, that is, with a life that is characterized by an utmost devotion to God and his will. So both with respect and purity, wives are to submit to their husbands. Peter says that this is particularly true or particularly important for wives who are married to men who do not believe in Jesus. He's, he's speaking to, um, he says, if some of these women are married to men who do not obey the word, be respectful and pure in your submission. He says that may soften their hearts and they might be won over to the gospel by your conduct. The general principle is that wives are to serve their husbands by submitting to them with respect and purity. One of the ways we do that, uh, one of the ways that that takes place, as Peter says, is to cultivate a kind of beauty that is precious in God's eyes. 
women today face pressure from every step of the way uh, to step into or uphold a particular style or standard of beauty. Pressure comes from internet, uh, social media, magazines, TV, movies. Pressure comes from family and friends. Sometimes it comes from the people that are closest to us. It's a pressure to adorn oneself with the latest trends and outfits and styles to fit in, to gain approval from the world's eyes. And Peter says, don't let your adorning be with those things. He's not saying, he's not saying, don't care about what you look like. He's he's not saying, um, you better dress with the most plain clothes ever. Don't put on makeup, don't wear jewelry. He's not saying that. The way that the text is actually written, he's, he's saying, don't pursue the attention of others by means of these things, but instead cultivate a kind of beauty that is precious in God's eyes, who sees into our hidden places, into our hearts. As one person put it, it is the true self, the the inner self of the heart whose clothing is important. And this clothing, unlike the world's, is imperishable, and therefore it is of utmost importance. That wives are to pursue this inner beauty that's characterized by a spirit of gentleness and peace. A quality of of meekness that's not influenced by the world, but influenced by God's grace. A spirit of gentleness that's in contrast to being rough. A spirit of being friendly instead of bad-tempered. A spirit of being a kind person who doesn't attack back when they've been attacked. Someone who suffers evil without becoming bitter. This is the very heart of Christ. Peter says, cultivate that in your heart. This is exactly the heart of Christ, remember? He calls himself gentle and lowly in heart. Gentleness isn't a feminine characteristic. Gentleness is the very heart of God. And Peter says, cultivate God's heart in your own. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Wives, cultivate gentleness and peace as you serve your husband with respect and purity. As an example of the kind of gentle and peaceful, respectful service one's husband, Peter says, look at Sarah from the Old Testament. Look at the wife of Abraham. Look at how she served her husband. She's the mother of all the faithful. Look at her. Peter says, she called him Lord. Now, the word Lord, we, we could really say it's, it's kind of like our modern-day use of the word sir when talking to someone with respect. Um, but before you go home thinking that Jeremy encouraged or taught that all wives need to refer to their husbands as sir, 
let's actually look at what Peter's talking about. If you go back and look at the whole story of Abraham and Sarah, there is one time that Sarah uses the word Lord with Abraham. And actually, that one time, it's a thought. The writer says, and Sarah thought to herself something about Lord, referring to Abraham. So this wasn't like it was all over the place. I think what Peter's actually getting at is look at the life of Sarah and how she submitted to Abraham's leadership in the whole story. Remember, Abraham received this vision from the Lord saying, hey, get up from your home, grab your family, and I am taking you to a land that you have, you have never been before. I'm calling you to this wonderful task that you aren't equipped for. I am calling you to trust me as I lead you to the land of promise where you will be a blessing to your neighbors. Abraham, do you trust me? And he said, yeah. And then he looked at Sarah and said, Sarah, do you trust me? She said, yes. Look at Sarah, who willingly, lovingly trusted and submitted to Abraham as Abraham led his family in God's calling. That's what Peter wants from wives. With a respectful and pure conduct, by cultivating beauty of gentleness and peace, submit to your own husbands. Now, husbands, he says, serve your wife like Christ by living with your wives in an understanding way. That is, live with them in such a way that you continue to grow in your knowledge and understanding of who they are. That you learn their strengths and their weaknesses. That you learn their preferences, their likes and their dislikes. That you understand what is God's design for your marriage. That you learn what is God's hope for your spouse. What way has God uniquely made your spouse? Live with her in such a way that you come to a more deep understanding of her. That's going to mean taking time set aside from your work and your own life to listen and ask questions, to develop a stronger connection with her, to know what her goals are in life, to learn what frustrates her, what makes her joyful. This kind of understanding your wife can only be gained through a, a regular study of God's word and his hope for your marriage and by setting aside times of regular, unhurried, private fellowship together as husband and wife. Peter is saying, take your wife on dates. Spend time with her and get to know her. Live with her in an understanding way. Husbands are to do this while showing honor to them. That is, in your public speech and in your private comments, you demonstrate that you respect her, that you champion her, that you don't put her down, you don't mock her, you celebrate her. 
not only in your words, but in your actions, do you show others when they look at you and your response to her, do you show other people that you support her, that you encourage her, that you, that you allow her and celebrate her and, and help her use her gifts and skills? Do you show others that in your head and in your heart, you treasure your wife? That is what it means to honor her. Peter says that this is especially important because she is the weaker vessel. What does that mean? I, I think Peter is talking about the general fact that generally men are physically stronger than women. It's not true in every case, but generally that's true. And at the same time, historically, women have been generally treated with less social weight and power. What Peter is saying is women, by and large, are more vulnerable in society than men. Therefore, husbands, honor your wives, just like Jesus sought to bring honor to the most vulnerable in his community. Give them a voice. Show them love. Lift them up. Recognize their value and dignity. Protect them. Husbands, be like Jesus. Serve your wife like that. Give up your own preferences for hers. Put your interests aside for the sake of hers. Put her first and her needs above your own. Lay down your life for her. Peter gives us two further reasons why we should serve our wives like this. First, he says, because they are heirs with you of the grace of life. He, he's reminding us that men and women were made in the image of God with full dignity, honor, and, and respect deserved them. And he's saying that at the end of time, Men and women will be brought into the glorious eternal life. Yeah, there might be differences in the dance between husbands and wives, but both men and women receive the grace of God together. Second, he says, husbands, if you don't do this, if you don't serve your wives like this, if you don't lift them up, if you don't protect them, if you don't lead them, your prayers may be hindered. That's right. Peter is saying that your own relationship with God is at stake. Your own fellowship with God is potentially hindered by your failure to love your wives in this way. That's how serious Peter is taking this. Peter says, look at the way of Jesus, who served. Be like him. And we see this dance of marriage. Husbands are to honor their wives, and wives are to submit to their husbands. Finally, we need to ask, where is the freedom found in the gospel to do this? Let's be serious. This is hard. 
Like, it's hard to put another person's needs ahead of your own. It is hard to submit your will to that of another. It is hard to give up something that you're holding on to in order to better serve the other person. What Peter is asking husbands and wives to do is nothing less than choosing to die little deaths all day long. Here's what I mean. When we think of Jesus as our example, that's what we find. Did Jesus ever submit his will to another? Philippians 2 reminds us that Although Jesus was in the form of God, that is very God himself, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto, but he willingly emptied himself, never giving up his divinity or his dignity, but he chose to give up his privilege. Why? So that he might take the form of a servant, becoming obedient even to the point of death. Whose will did Jesus become a servant to? His father's. As Jesus was preparing to head to the cross, we find him in the garden of Gethsemane. And he is in anxious turmoil and prayer. And in his prayer, he says, if there be any other way that we could accomplish this salvation, let us do that. But at the end of the day, Not my will, but your will be done. He submitted his own will to that of his father, lovingly, willingly choosing to take the path of a servant, even to the point of death. And then Jesus was vindicated, raised up from the grave and exalted to the heights of heaven, seated at the right hand of God. Wives, look to Jesus and find freedom in him to willingly and lovingly choose to serve your husband like him. He did that to raise you up. What about husbands? Did Jesus ever choose to serve others, putting their needs ahead of his own? Yeah. Ephesians 5 reminds us that Jesus is the bridegroom who willingly gave up his own life as a sacrifice for his bride to wash her and cleanse her for her sin. And the bride is us, his church. He put our needs ahead of his own. Jesus chose to give up his life to suffer for us. It's all part of the same picture, that greatness in our world is seen as amassing all these privileges and benefits, acquiring wealth. Just think of uh, the, the fancy platinum mileage air miles card holders who get to go in the fancy lounge and get free upgrades to first class and free drinks. Like That's a sign of greatness, amassing all these privileges, right? But in the kingdom of God, greatness is not seen in amassing privileges, but by giving up those privileges for the sake of others. Greatness in the kingdom is sacrificial. It is self-effacing. It is being devoted to the good of the other person. 
Husbands, consider again Jesus, who on the night that he was betrayed, he donned a cloth around his waist, he took a knee, and began washing his disciples' feet. He said to them, you call me teacher and Lord, you call me master and you are right, I am, but if I, your master, am humbling myself to serve you and wash your feet, you need to do that to one another. Jesus, the great master and teacher, chose to serve those under him. Ultimately, a symbol of the kind of death he was about to go through. The greatest sign of greatness, dying in the place of another. Husbands, look to Jesus. You will find freedom in him to become a servant, to lift up your spouse, to put her needs ahead of your own. Friends, this is the power of the cross. This is the power of the cross where Christ became sin for us, taking that off of our shoulders and giving us forgiveness and righteousness. He did that in obedience to his Father's will that he submitted to. He did that in loving sacrifice for his bride that he cherished and loved. Only when we come to him and see that. Only when we see that he obeyed his Father's will for us and our sins, only when we experience and see the, the display of authority and dying to himself to raise us up, only then can we experience the kind of freedom that allows us to serve one another the way that Peter is calling us to. Let's pray.